Hello, and welcome to The Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our 12th episode, our guest is Kristen Clifford. Kristen is a Chicago-based comedian who is open for Carmen Esposito, Todd Berry, and Adam Caton Holland. She is a cast member of the prestigious Lincoln Lodge, the nation's longest-running independent stand-up show. She has appeared in the Just for Laughs Festival, Limestone Comedy Festival, Crom Comedy Festival, All Jane Festival, and the Comedy Exposition, and is regularly booked at clubs and shows throughout the Midwest. You may have seen her mentioned in publications like the Chicago Reader, Chicago Now, and many more. You can find her website at www.kristenclifford.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-C-L-I-F-F-O-R-D.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Kristen Cliff. As I now have an Amazon Associates account, I'll be posting links to Amazon on the homepage, www.therobburgessshow.com. If you click the links and then purchase that item, I understand I get a small bit back in return. Thanks for the support. Help the show reach an even wider audience by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast on iTunes at tinyurl.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show. You can also find The Rob Burgess Show on Stitcher at www.stitcher.com forward slash podcast forward slash the dash Rob dash Burgess dash show. Google Play Music at tinyurl.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show Google Play. Tune in at tinyurl.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show Tune In. YouTube at tinyurl.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show YouTube. You can also subscribe directly to the RSS feed at tinyurl.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show RSS. If you're an Android user, visit subscribeonandroid.com forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash The Rob Burgess Show RSS. You can find out more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. Follow on Twitter at Rob Burgess Show. Like the page on Facebook at The Rob Burgess Show. Follow on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash the dash Rob dash Burgess dash show. The email for the show is the Rob Burgess Show at gmail.com. And now on to the show. Hello? Hey, Kristen, it's Rob. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Um, I'm so sorry for being late. Um, I had a whole situation with the Redbox movie um, because uh, when I went to check out with uh, Zoolander 2, it said I could get a movie for a dollar off, and I was like, okay, I wasn't really planning on it, but I'll get Ant-Man. And then I only got Ant-Man, and I forgot that I ordered two movies, and I just left. So I had to call the grocery store and see if they had recovered a lost red box, and then I hope it just resorbed it, because anyway. So Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the, how those things work exactly, but anyway. It was a whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I never got one from the red box, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem. Cool, cool. Well, uh, just before we say anything else, just tell people who you are. Oh, sure. Uh, I am a comedian uh, currently living in Chicago. I've uh, been to the Limestone Comedy Festival and the Comedy Attic before. 
Okay. Yeah, definitely. And I saw you, um, was it, gosh, was it two, was it one year ago or it was two years ago, wasn't it? At 2014, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You played the back doors where I saw you. Um, yeah. And yeah, you, uh, you were hilarious. I wrote about you in the column. I wrote about the festival and it was, it was, a uh, it was a really good time. That's what's fun about that kind of festival to me is that you go and you see people that you don't know and then you get to know them. And a lot of my favorite comics have, have come from just going because it's like, eh, you know, let's give it a shot, you know? So yeah, festivals are great that way. You can see like just comedians from every city. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you, uh, you told a pretty, uh, hilarious bit, um, about, you know, uh, <laughs> watching uh, Law and Order in a dating scenario that that was that was pretty that was pretty amusing that it, that stuck out to me but um, <laughs> um but yeah so uh tell us a little bit about how you got into comedy like what how old were you what made you want to start Sure um so hmm, that's like I got, I'll figure out how far to go back Um I moved to Chicago after college and I just was, like, living here, working, you know, and not really doing much else. And then I was kind of like, well, I live in Chicago. I've always been, like, funny-ish, but also very quiet. I think maybe she takes some improv classes. I'm right here in the city, my second city. So I was kind of like, this is, like, the only time I'll really be able to do this, probably. So... Started taking improv classes at Second City, um, made a lot of friends, um, and I did improv for like a little over five years probably. So I did Second City, like beginning program, and then I did IO, or no, then I did Second City Conservatory, which is like you audition to get in, and then I did IO, and by the time IO was done, I was feeling kind of like I still wanted to do something comedy related, but... Um, and like here and there I was in shows and, and stuff like that. So it was just all classes, but I was kind of like, so it's still doing something comedy related. I'm kind of burnt out on improv though. Don't really think it's for me. Um, and I was kind of at loose ends as far as like how I was going to keep going and doing comedy stuff, but not really do improv. Um, and so then, uh, my friend was like, oh, Cameron Esposito is teaching a class um, for all women to do comedy. And I was like, oh, okay. And I kind of knew Cameron because she was actually in Second City Conservatory at the same time I was and had, like, subbed into our class a couple times because she missed her class. So I knew who she was. And my she's friend, hilarious. I've seen a lot of her stand-up. She's so funny. Yeah, she's great. And so I knew that she was doing really well in, like, the Chicago stand-up scene. And, like, my friend knew her because um, – they had been in Boston at the same time, because um, Cameron used to do improv in Boston, I believe. Um, but, so anyways, long story longer. I was like, okay, like, stand-up sounds great. Um, I will take this class, which was through the Lincoln Lodge, because um, Cameron was a cast member at the time. So I took that class, and it was great. And, like, it was really just, like, a sort of a, because a lot of people are, like, you can't learn stand-up from a class, which that's really, not really what it was, but it was more just, like, getting, you know, comfortable and, um, you know, sort of teaching you joke structure and then, you know, giving you, like Cameron would give us great feedback about like different jokes and also sort of like advice about like being a beginning stand up, like here's how you should like, it's what you should expect from open mics and here's how you should go about trying to get on a showcase and stuff like that. So super awesome. And, um, yeah, it was great. Uh, yeah, Cameron's like was super supportive and has always given me a lot of support. Um, and it was actually like 
really nice. I got to open for her um, last winter mm. when she was here in Chicago. So it was kind of like a full circle cool. thing. We became friends and everything. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, my roommate from freshman year uh, at Indiana University, Patrick, uh, does comedy sports in uh, Indianapolis. So I ha- I've been to see uh, him, and uh, it's really a different thing than stand up. Like, well, how would you compare uh, improv to stand up as far as, you know, performance? Sure, and comedy sports especially is different because they do more like games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, improv, like, um, I'm trying to think. Improv is more about, like, building um, a realistic scene and also working with a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's more acting involved in, in being a good improviser, I think. Like, to be really good. Like, the people who are really the best at it are people who just are great actors because um, it's not necessarily the same like with a stand-up that you're trying to make people laugh and you know where the punchline's coming mm-hmm. with improv you're just kind of trying to be I mean the best improv I think people other people might differ you're not trying to do a bit you're not trying deliberately to be funny but like funny things just happen mm-hmm. um, because you're playing such a realistic scene um, well I think uh, it's it's a truism but it's it's definitely you know cliche for a reason that you know people the funniest people are people that don't know they're funny um, you know, so just kind of going into a scene and totally committing to it, um, you know, that really like sells the, the joke more than somebody's like, Hey, get a load of what I'm doing, you know, wink, wink, you know, it's like, I, I really exactly. respect more when people just co- totally commit themselves to what, what's happening in the moment. And I think that's an important thing in, in a lot of ways for producing art. You just have to be very in the moment and not second guess what's happening. So I think that's a really interesting part of improv. Like, you know, yes and or whatever. Exactly. It's like, um, you know, like teachers would always say, like, you know, go in with a night. Like, because part of the thing is you just have to, yes, Andrew Pondo, like, you're just fine. And go into the scene, like, with no agenda. But you can't have something in your back pocket. Like, whatever happens, my character, like, loves Justin Bieber. <laughs> so then, no matter what comes up, you just find a way to work it around to that. And that can be something, like, that's a game that you play. Or you might never use it, but you could just, like, have that in the back of your mind. Like, mm-hmm. my character is obsessed with me. And then, like, whatever comes up, you know, like, it, that can be, like, a tiny thing. But, yeah, like, you just have to play the scene, like, realistically and, you know, not try to go over the top. Because the subtle things are what really make people laugh. I mean, and I'm not very good at improv. I'm like, okay, but um, mm-hmm. that was one of the reasons why I left because, like, you just see people who are so good at it and you're like, that person's amazing at it. I don't, it's not even a matter of like, well, I just need to work harder because it's like, no, mm-hmm. I should find something that I'm good at and do that instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but I would think it would make you a better stand-up uh, to have done improv, I think. I mean, wouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I definitely think it helps. Like, sometimes I get, like, a little bit involved when I start. I came to see him pretty late. I was 28 when I started doing it. Um, and I'm always like, oh, I I started younger. Like, because you see, like, younger people, and they're just, you know, farther ahead. Or, you know, it also, entertainment is a youth-oriented business. So it can be kind of hard. But then I'm like, I think I would have started, if I had started when I was, like, 21, I wouldn't have been good. 
And then I probably would have quit. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, you just, as you get older, you just start having more confidence in yourself. And also, after having done improv for five years, I had been a part of a lot of bad improv shows and a lot of sketches that weren't great and stuff. So, you know, you get used to, um, and you, you know, like, even the best improv team can have a bad show. So I'm not, like, sitting on anyone I was doing shows with. Like, you know, you, you failed a lot. So you're used to what that feels like. And yeah. you know that it's not the end of the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Still, that moment of, like, you know, it's just, like, you're, you're dying and there's no coming back from the dying that's happening. <laughs> it's like, that's a moment yeah. that I don't, you know, because I've been in school plays and stuff. And, you know, I've, I've been on stage in various capacities uh, in my young life. And, and I know <laughs> and I know what that feels like. And that wasn't a feeling that I relished. But I guess it is true that, like, once you go through that, it's like, well, I'm still here. You know, I experience experience that and we all experience that and you know it's it's it, it's not that big of a deal that it happened you know yeah um, it's not it's definitely not fun but it's like especially like let's say like you're a stand-up and you're doing some jokes that you've done a lot you know that they usually get laughs um like Okay, so I featured, there's this club in Chicago called Jokes and Notes. Um, it's an awesome comedy club. It's run by a woman. The audience is super fun. I, like, um, sort of work your way to featuring there. You go to the open mic, and then you do a guest spot, and then you finally get the feature. I was really excited. It was my first club booking in Chicago, and I, like, bombed so hard. Like, um, like silence. Like, just silence. Like, just, like, pitying silence. Um, they just did not like me and it was also one of those things because like sometimes you're on a show where like no one does well and you're like well the audience was just a little uptight or maybe like not into into it but sometimes it's just you Uh and that time it was just me for sure like everyone else crushed it the audience was like "Mm, okay Uh, you you know Uh, maybe maybe like I don't know get a job somewhere else Uh, but so like it was awful. My friend Erica Clark, who is a comedian here in Chicago, was there with me, like for like just to like be my friend or whatever. And like I was like so devastated because I was like, oh my god, like that was the worst, like just total, like just the worst set ever. And um, she was like, yeah, it was bad. I mean, like she was just recording it. And then like the next day, I was like, well, I have to go back and do two more shows because that was on the Friday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she came with me again since the week. So I was like, I really don't know what I'm going to do. I listened to like a Chris Rock, like Mark Maron episode. <laughs> it was actually really helpful because he was like talking about um, making his second special. Mm. And um, he was just like, yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to like, or he basically was talking about like how he still loves her special. Um, and he didn't think any subsequent specials were as good. And, I was like, I kind of get what he's talking about because you put so much into the first one and then you like mm. usually do the second one faster. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. You have your whole life to plan for the first thing you do and then you only have from the time the first thing is over until it's time to put the second thing out to make the second thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you have that built-in pressure to, and also, if, especially if your first thing was like like his thing, you know, groundbreaking and successful right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's hard to live up to in the second time. I mean, if not impossible for a lot of people. And I forget exactly how many years we've been, but I've been doing comedy for three years. And like, I mean, at this point in time, like, five years in, you don't know anything. And it makes it a lot better. I was like, okay. 
Mm-hmm. If Chris Rock is like a saying that yeah, so it was it was but yeah, like anyways, long story longer, founding's not fun. Yeah. But I mean, you go through it, and that's cool. But like, I, I here's one thing I've always been very scared of as you know somebody who's been interested in trying stand up comedy maybe one day. But I just I'm so terrified of of, of hecklers. Maybe it's because I've been a teacher, um, you know, and that maybe that influences me. Because <laughs> let me tell you, a room full of fifth graders, especially the boys, just hecklers. <laughs> Yeah, I could not be a teacher. Oh, the idea that you would put yourself in a situation of of adding alcohol and people feeling like they have a license to act out, you know, and adults that are big. I'm not a large person either. You know, I'm not a large man, so I can't really compand myself on, you know, it's like (laughs) I can't use my body to impose, you know, uh, upon people. So even fifth graders, as it turned out. (laughs) Um, So, you know, that's how do you deal with hecklers, I guess, would be my question. Um, I will say hecklers are a lot more rare than I think people think they are. Mm. Um, I've probably I've been doing comedy stand up for like six years. I've probably done you know hundreds of shows. I've probably gotten seriously heckled zero times. Um, I've had people yelling out stuff that's disruptive maybe three times. Mm. Like so, it's really not that um, as bad as you think. And I mean, like it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's upsetting, but, like, basically, like, the way that you can deal with it is either just to, you know, I'm trying to think of what I've said in the past. Like, usually I'll just be like, oh, my God, we'll talk after the show, or, like, I got it, you're really excited. Um, but, like, like, I think the last time I had people, like, talking, or they weren't even heckling, they were just talking at a level, like, that everyone could hear, and it was annoying. And I was just like, hey, I know you guys have something important to talk about, but I have a microphone and I worked on what I'm going to say. So you just kind of like, you know, you can say something to like effectively shut people down. It's Some people really embrace it. I'm My stage persona is a little bit more um, not really built for that. Um, Because part of the problem that I have, too, is if you're, like, too mean, people get upset, like, with you then. (laughs) So so you have to, like, walk that fine line of, like, not being, unless, like, I mean, some people can get away with it. It depends on. Yeah, but there is is few things more satisfying as as an audience member that behaves themselves than to see somebody, especially somebody that judges people a lot, (laughs) like me. I got judged people constantly in these situations because I would never imagine, like, just yelling something at someone who was trying to, like, do a set. You know what I mean? Like, it wouldn't even occur to me, like, to, like, and I think those things, people think pe- people think they're helping or something. Like, they think they're, like, encouraging the show, but it's really, it's it's totally disruptive. And, you know, like you said, the person who's on stage has worked out what they're going to say. Um, so, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't appreciate it at all as an audience, as another audience member. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think most audience members do. And, like, usually the person is either, like, drunk and they just don't realize how loud they are, mm-hmm. or they're, like, you know, alcohol definitely plays a factor. I think in almost all the cases, like, they're either drunk and they don't know that they're being loud, or they think that they're being funny, or, like, they right. just have no filter because they're, mm-hmm. you know, a little tipsy or whatever. Sure. So, like, usually, like, and oftentimes, like, they're, fr- like, I've rarely seen, like, a group where they actually want the person to keep doing it. Usually their friends are like, stop it! Like, <laughs> so their um, friends are, like, embarrassed for them. Yeah, they just are like, oh, they don't want the attention. Um, and, like, I've been, like, and usually, like, most also, if you're working at a room that's 
good. Like the person in charge of running the room is going to handle it. Um, you know, they'll have someone from the staff. Like I've seen hecklers get escorted out of clubs and stuff mm. um, and things like that. So like mm-hmm. usually they should like, if you know that the room that you're working in is good, then you, mm. you are less worried about it. Cause you know that if it continues someone from like the management or mm-hmm. the booker or somebody is going like, to tell right. that person to stop. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's fair enough. I mean, you know, like I, I'm pretty good at brushing off online hecklers. You know, that doesn't matter to me. Like, if an if an egg on Twitter says something, you know, who cares? You know, <laughs> I don't even know who yeah. this person is. They don't even know who they are, probably. Like, <laughs> but uh, you know, like a person face to face is so mortifying to me because I don't ever, I don't like conflict at all. So. <laughs> Even if you lie, I mean, yeah, it is, it is, it is upsetting. Like, I mean, there's a reason I'm a writer because I get to be alone and things. Yeah. no one can like throw things at me while I'm doing it. Like when you're a stand-up, it, you have to do it right in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess there there is something uh, you know romantic about the idea of, of doing it on stage. Like it's like wow, it's like you know even if you're writing, you're you're doing it behind kind of uh, people cannot have their picture in the thing that they write a lot of the times. They, they could walk down the street and you wouldn't know who they are. If you stand up or somebody that does something on stage has to stand up in front of everybody. So I guess it's just like you said, a confidence thing. And um, you know, I'm sure you were you're more confident now on stage than you would have been young, uh, in your young Younger life, I'm sure. I know I would have been less. So, yeah, I definitely think so. Like, I think um, stuff like that incident at Drugs and Notes. Like, if I was like 21, I would have been like, "Well, uh, we're never coming back." So, like, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, I think part of it is just uh, just growing up and, and experiencing rejection, especially, uh, you know, in, in the tender age from, you know, freshman in college through, like, you know, when <laughs> to question mark, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. um, uh, you know like, like when you're when you're still forming yourself, uh, that thing, things definitely hurt more then and you, you take things more personally. And mm-hmm. I guess I guess as you get older, maybe you just realize things are more about the people that are saying them than you. So, um, yeah. And I mean, like when you're a teenager, your brain is so forming and like everything oh, yeah. is so dramatic. Absolutely. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing, I mean, I, I, I really couldn't imagine doing that at like 19. Like I didn't even know who I was at 19 for the most part. Like, you know, yeah, we, we have someone on LinkedIn Lodge um, right now who just turned 22, but he started doing CNN when he was like in high school. Really? And he's very funny. And like, I can't imagine, uh, his name is Kevin Lockfitch. I can't imagine like having the, like mm. a lot of, like, um, young men start at that age, and, like, I just can't imagine being that, like, mm-hmm. self-possessed, but, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's different. <laughs> so. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think, like, technology, like, I, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I, I feel like I am lucky to have been in the last generation that was a child before the, the Internet. Like, it'll never happen again. Um, like, my son yeah. is a year and a half old. He's always going to know smartphones and everything, you know. Yeah. Um, I I didn't. There was a long time in my life. Sure, I had MS DOS and went later Windows ninety five and then Windows ninety seven and so on. <laughs> you know, like like there was no like there was a time when that was not an option. And you know, I do you think that. It was. It seemed like more of a reach that you would be a stand-up comic when I was a kid, and now it seems like a viable 
maybe career option or is that just from everyone having a platform now maybe um yeah i mean like i also like yeah i'm grateful that the internet was not around especially like you didn't have facebook or anything in college mm. it was so great but Thank um god right i can't imagine what kids go through today in in high school and college with with the facebook uh, and i don't even know like well, i i would have i would have been the craziest person in the world if i had had that during that time i didn't need that i was already off my rails enough you know what I mean? Like I didn't even know what it, what was happening to me. Like I don't need I don't need this other thing, you know. And like online harassment, and I don't know how kids are even able to do it today. Honestly, I, I ugh. no, because you have no safe place. Like if you were bullied in school, like at least you could go home and like your family was hopefully nice to you. <laughs> now. Um, now it's like you're, you come home and you're just getting, I don't even know, Facebook messages and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like the, um, you know, ability for people to see all kinds of comedy. I mean, like there's so many ways now for everybody to consume mm-hmm. comedy. Like, um, you know, not only specials on Netflix, Hulu, um, CISO, uh, HBO and everything. And then there's also just YouTube. Like if you're a comedy fan, you can go and like, look at, you know, uh, comedy central videos, or you can go and look at, like, just, like, I don't know, if you even search comedy, you can put a comedian that you like in Spotify or Pandora, and then it'll give you other comics mm-hmm. that are like that comic. So, yeah, for sure, I mean, I think that people see that, and I mean, like, there's also, like, a whole other weird, like, subgenres of, of comedy, like, those assigned stars, like, who are millionaires because they're popular on Vine, which I, like, can't even believe people still use. So, like, that is, <laughs> like, it seems like it was, like, a flash in the pan, but I'm like, I guess the teams are using it. I don't know. So, like, <laughs> okay, do you understand Snapchat, though? I just started figuring out how to use Snapchat. Okay, tell me. Hold on. Please explain to me how Snapchat works. I don't understand it. I don't really understand it either, but I only, like, because I just wanted to take a picture where I could make, like, my eyes look bigger, mm-hmm. and I figured out how to do that, but I have not figured out how to do anything else on it. <laughs> like, I don't understand it at all. Like, I, I, I sent, like, my roommate a snap, and she said she didn't get it, so I'm pretty probably, like, yeah. I, I need, like, a tutorial on it. Like, I'm so worried that I'm, like, I'm old now because I don't get it. Like, I understood Facebook. I understood Twitter. I I understood all these things. But I just, I don't get, I don't get it. Maybe maybe it's because, I don't know, there's no record. That freaks me out. Like, yeah. it, it freaks me out that I would put time into something. And maybe it's because I'm somebody that's trying to put things out into the world and I think about this more. But, like, it, it, it disturbs me that I would spend time making something and it wouldn't be permanent in some way. You know what you I mean? save the stuff that you make on there. Like, I thought it. I thought it disappeared after like twenty four hours. I mean, maybe you can personally save it, right? Yeah, you can personally. Okay. Well, that's that's so, good. Like, okay. Yeah, like if you wanted to make a video, but yeah, like I was like everyone I've talked to though, that seems to be the one that everyone has a hard time with, mm-hmm. even like people who are younger than me. And so I think it's just like not that intuitive of an app. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone I've talked to has been like, I just need a while to like figure out like how to do this one thing because it's like not. Because, like, most apps are, like, pretty self-explanatory. Sure. Like, even if they change, you're kind of like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I press this again, and that does that. Like, but, 
I don't know. It, it's weird, like, because, like, somebody was like, watch my Snapchat story, and I'm like, use that word that I can't do, but <laughs> figure this out. And then I went on there, and I was like, how do you even do that? And my friend was like, you have to go to this, and then you press this. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why can't I just click on their profile and then see what they posted, but I have to do, like, a fucking extra. It didn't make any sense to me. I was like, this is dumb. <laughs> Yeah, um, I can't even imagine. Like I said, my my, my son is a, a year and a half old. I, I cannot even imagine what he is going to be speaking with his friends and acquaintances and family members with in in the year two thousand. But like, um, you know, like like when he's my age, like what is he going to like? I keep thinking holograms are going to be involved somehow, but I'm not sure exactly. Well, they have holograms. I know that was actually the first column I wrote for the current job I have was about hologram Tupac. Yeah. Um, and did you know that there was a hologram Whitney recently? Oh, really? I know. On the voice or the American Idol. Or, yeah, actually, American Idol's over, so it wouldn't have been that. But it probably, I think it was my, maybe the voice. But then they didn't air it because people were, like, disgusted and, like, <laughs> rightly so. But. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I, I'm scared of, like, okay, so I'm scared of holograms. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything that looks human but isn't human. Do you, like, uh, are the, here's, here's the thing, like, because my wife loves horror movies. Um, so uh, we, we've, and she says the scariest horror movies are about um, about shapeshifters because yeah, you can't shapeshifter. trust them. Right? No, you can't. Mm-hmm. It could be anyone. And like yeah, wax museums mm-hmm. and like statues and like holograms because I'm like, oh, I don't want anything making eye contact with me that's like not real. Mm-hmm. That's creepy. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when they brought Tupac, hologram Tupac and I saw the video, I was mm. terrified. <laughs> I would not <laughs> want to make eye contact with the top. <laughs> <laughs> what does it know? <laughs> yeah, just what does it know about us? <laughs> yeah, like what's gonna happen? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's it's scary because it's like um, when you're an artist, you think, okay, I'm gonna put this out in the universe, and no matter what happens to my body, if I die, I, my work will be out there, and and I will live on forever. But then it's like, who controls the hologram version? And people see that, and they think it's real. And you know, up up until a hundred years ago, if a tiger was coming at you, a tiger was actually coming at you. But if you see it on a screen, you know, when they, uh, one of the first movies that was made was the train coming towards the camera. It was like a French film. Like, it was like four minutes long. And people, like, dove out of the way of the screen because they thought the, you know, the, the train was coming towards them. So, because um, they'd never seen a movie before, so they didn't realize oh, it wasn't yeah. real. So, like, we're still in that mindset evolutionarily. So, if someone sees a hologram of something, it's as real as it happening because for the however many thousand years we've been a species, it was real. You know, so we just perceive that as real. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That's that's worrying to me. But but I'm I'm quickly finding out. Uh, I'm only 33, but you know I'm quickly finding out it's it's a real slippery slope into the old man with the ball. And it's like a, next time I'm keeping it, you know, <laughs> keep your you know keep off my lawn or whatever you know. Yeah. So. Just mowed it. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna be such a good that guy. You know I'm I'm, I, I'm I've been training for that my whole life. Really. <laughs> I, like the uh, uh, my my other uh, my friend has said that I'm one of the uh, Muppets uh, that's in the balcony, like the old the old Muppets, oh, okay. you know, like like, that's, <laughs> like that's what I've been building yeah. towards basically all my life. <laughs> 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 
But, um, yeah, so I wrote down some questions. Let me see what I wrote down. Um, yeah, we, we answered most of them. Um, oh, what's the comedy scene like in Chicago? Like, what would you, well, how would you describe it? I've never seen comedy in Chicago. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we have a great comedy scene. Um, you know, it's, it's big, and you can get a lot of stage time. Um, there's a lot of open mics to go up at, and then we have a lot of really good showcases as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that the bar for success in Chicago is pretty high. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're doing well in Chicago, um, you're going to be pretty well prepared to, you know, move to another city if you wanted to go to New York or L.A., which is what a lot of people end up doing because we just simply don't have industry here right now. Um, but, yeah, like, it's it's great. Like, I've um, – there's so many um, great people that have come out of here. Like, obviously, Cameron is one of them. Um, her wife, Rhea, is also amazing. Um, and then, you know, before them, you know, we had Kyle Kinane and Camille Nanciani and T.D. Miller and Pete Holmes were all started here. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, like, we just – we do have, like, a really strong um, – comedy scene with a lot of really good shows and like um there's laugh factory which pretty much ex- almost exclusively puts on like all local comedians which is great um cause it's rare for a club to uh showcase almost all local comics mm. um for like you know and there's nothing wrong with however the clubs want to operate they should but like it's great to have a club like that where it's like just Chicago's best comedians all the time Um, because like you know on the flip side there's other clubs where they just have touring headliners which is also great because sometimes it gives up local people opportunities to work for you know someone who's a touring headliner which is also a nice opportunity Um, but yeah like a lot of most of the shows here are like showcase style Um, so you know everyone's doing 8 to 10 minutes and then maybe someone's doing about 15 um, at the end so yeah, it's like, I really love it here. I'm glad I started here. Just happened mm-hmm. to be from here. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, lucky you. People... That's that's a great city. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, so that was nice because a lot of people end up actually move here to do either stand-up or improv. So mm-hmm. I was just kind of uh, lucky in that I am from here. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, our, our scene is really good. I, I recommend to anyone to come and see some local comedy here mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I only ask that because um, I know that you're moving to Los Angeles, I saw on mm-hmm. Facebook, uh, later this year. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, interviewed uh, Matt Alano Martin from, you know, the from Bloomington, and uh, he was he was saying that, you know, I was kind of like, have you ever been tempted to leave? And he's like, uh, yeah, but I mean, I know I, I like it where I'm where I'm at. I, I like living in the place I'm at. Um, and you can kind of do this from anywhere and get seen now with technology or whatever, which, which makes sense to me. But I also understand the impulse to, um, you know, I moved, I've, I've lived in California myself, so I understand. So, um, yeah, I also want to try to do some writing for TV, which is not necessarily something you can do from Chicago. Well, I mean, you have to like be able to take like meetings with people, right? Yeah, and take meetings. It also depends on, like, what your goals are, because, like, I don't really get booked in a lot of clubs at this point. Um, It takes, like, a special kind of club to, like, because I'm just not, um, like, I'm a very low-energy comic, so that doesn't work for a lot of clubs. Um, 
and I'm not like putting myself down to say no, no, no. I I, I want to <laughs> say that's part of what I liked about your act is that you had to like kind of sit there and like get really listen to what you were saying to to get it. Um, and th- those are the funniest people to me. The people that like leave, you know, they're just going to leave little gems here and there, and you can pick them up as you get them. You know what I mean? As opposed to people that you know come at you like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I like that. You know, just they're going to drop something here, they're going to drop something there. Oh, okay, I get that. Uh, I like that much more than people that, you know, ram it down your throat, you know, over, oversell it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I've come to the conclusion, too, like, for someone like me, if I'm going to be booked in clubs where I can make my living doing that, I'm going to need to be have something else under my belt first. Because, like, there's some mm. people that will just get booked in the clubs because the club owner sees them and they're like, okay, you're, like, the type of energy that I'm looking for mm. for my club, which tends to be a little bit more boisterous or whatever it is. And uh, then there's other people where they're like, oh, you're on Comedy Central, so you can do my club, you know. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with, like, either of those viewpoints. And I personally am doing the kind of comedy that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that, like, I think, um, like, Comedy Attic is a fantastic club, and I think that... Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's uh, one of the reasons that I think I was able to work there is because Jared's younger and he's a little bit more tuned into, like, comedy now and not as old school. Well, that's part of what uh, Matt and I talked about was that, you know, they, they've cultivated a really, like, good comedy scene there because they've, like, picked really good comedians to, like, work there because they are people that like comedy, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, Jared's a big yeah. comedy nerd, for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but that's the person you something. want programming the talent or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. You want somebody that really likes it. I mean, because if somebody's not into it, they're going to make, you know, a you maybe just sell a lot of tickets, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like they're just they'll they'll put put something on because they think it'll make them money, and that's the quickest way to to kill something is is to not actually do it because it's good. It's just to be. You know what I mean? So. No, I always look at the um, calendar for Comedy Attic, and it's always just like so many great. Oh yeah. Uh, great comics, and also like great features. Like mm-hmm. there's just like it's I, I'm always like man, like this is a good comedy club. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. So, um, another question I thought of, um, you know, I, I've, I've obviously followed you on Twitter for a long time, and um, how is it to be a woman in comedy? Because here's, here's something I've found interesting, you know, and this is uh, something the Oscar So White uh, thing kind of revealed, you know, um, that, you know, you know, entertainment, Hollywood, you know, all that kind of stuff is supposed to be so liberal and so, uh, you know, progressive, but it really is a patriarchal, um, very boys club situation, and I think anybody who like follows it knows that. And I can say that as a man because like I enjoy comedy, but I get that you know it's it's a very there's a there's a real masculinity overload in some ways, um, and and it it has to be harder to be a woman in comedy. I think because there is a perception that women women aren't funny. Like some people will say that people will say women aren't funny, and I know that's not true, of course, because I can think of many funny women. Um, the the funniest person in the world is Maria Bamford, by the way. Like I <laughs> get that that is obviously not true, um, but there are people that say that. Sure, 
Um, so, like, in Chicago, we have a great scene, and I would say, like, it's very supportive of women um, in general, and, like, a lot of my comedy friends are men, and that's been awesome. It's 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 a nice, um, I feel like, in general, too, I think just because we spend so much time um, as comedians, like, thinking about the world and reflecting on things and trying to make things funny, that, in general, most comedians are really more, like, socially conscious than other people. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that's accurate everywhere, but here, for sure, I feel like I've met more, like, men who are truly, like, into feminism or supporting mm-hmm. women in the comedy scene than outside of it. Um, and, of course, there are just little, um, it's not even, like, um, I wouldn't say there's, like, a ton of, like, deliberate, like, sexism, but there's just a lot of old-school people who are gatekeepers to comedy. It's not necessarily, like, comedians themselves who are, like, like, there's not, like, a group of male comedians right now being, like, well, let's make sure that none of these women are getting booked. Like, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. But there are club owners who still hold on to these notions that are, like, well, if we have one woman on the lineup, we can't possibly have two. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. And, like, mm-hmm. or just, like, well, you know, we have a woman night once a month. And that's pretty great, and we're very, like, you know, like, if you look at calendars for certain clubs, um, you'll see that they're all men for three months. (laughs) And that's just crazy. Like, there's there's women who are great who are draws who would bring in people. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't, like... So, yeah, and in some respects, it's harder. Um, I've certainly dealt with, you know, people saying things like that um, to me, like, when I leave Chicago, um, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's it, it's one of those, it's like a fine line because, in, in a way, comedy hard for everybody. It's hard to get noticed if you're a man, if you're a woman. You just have to be good to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much the hardest thing that is universal across all, everyone. Um, I've been at open mics sometimes and not even realized I was the only woman there until like two hours in. Because I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, I guess, yeah. All the people that I know that are senior, I'm in. Okay, uh, sure. Uh, so, like, you don't even notice. And so, like... Um, that's the thing, like, I always want to, like, because I get upset when I see, um, women othering themselves in comedy. What do you Um, mean by that for people that don't know what that term means? Sure. So if you're like, oh, women only open mics all the time, women only shows all the time, Mm -hmm. let's start a thing where it's, um, exclusively for women. You know, I think we should all have our spaces that we feel safe, Mm -hmm. but I also am like, that is just... You are other in yourself, mm. and it's not helpful. Yeah, I like, like that. I, think, I, li- I like what you're saying, but <laughs> no, yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying like those things shouldn't exist. Yeah, um, I am saying I get upset when they exist because people are afraid. Yeah, um, I think you should make like whatever show you want, and if you have this great idea for a show that you're like just is going to work better if it's all mm-hmm. women, totally go for it. But mm-hmm. if you're like, well. Like, you know, I've seen, like, you know, people be like, oh, well, this open mic is full of bros and all this stuff. And it's like, well, did you talk to anyone there? Because there's a ton of nice dudes. And also, like, they're all, like, a lot of them are nerds. Um, they would love to talk to a woman. Like, um, <laughs> like, 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 you know, like, like oh, a girl is here. Like, they're, like, that, you know, it would be like if, if um, 
you went to, uh, if you were the only guy in a room full of women, like, I'm sure, you know, people would be like, hello, uh, like, what's going on? Uh, so it's, it's like, people get, like, these ideas in their heads that are just not true, and I'm like, you're missing out on, first of all, like, just becoming better. Second of all, you have to show up if you want to change the way that the scene works. If you think there's not enough women in the scene, you secluding yourself at an all-female open mic is not helping. Mm-hmm. You're you're continuing to make it appear like there's mm-hmm. no women in the scene right. because you're doing that. So yeah. but, you have to take responsibility your own, you know, visibility. Not to rhyme, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like with anything that we want to change, you have to have good people showing up in order to change it, it's like, you know, whether we're protesting something or whether we're just trying to make comedy, like, more 50-50, <laughs> you just have to get out of your house mm. go there. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, well, uh, we always talk about music. Uh, what kind of music have you been listening to lately? Oh, man, okay. Uh, I am, like... <laughs> I am, like, not a big music aficionado, (laughs) Uh, but I will say I just bought, um, like, I haven't listened to the full thing yet because I just bought it, but I bought Drake's new album because I really like Drake. Uh, Is this Um, Views, or just, I guess it's just Views now, right? It's not Views from the Six anymore, right? I think it's just Views. Mm. I don't remember. (laughs) I think this is also, like, I'm really bad at, like, remembering who sings what song or, like, the album the song is coming. Like, I'm just like, sure, this song. Mm. Um, I've been getting really into Bird Cloud. Um, I was in Denver recently, which I think is where they're from, and my friend was playing me a bunch of their songs. Um, I love this. Did you say Bird uh, Cloud? Bird Cloud, yeah. Bird Cloud, okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's this uh, rapper that I love named Big Dipper. Mm. Um, he's from Chicago originally. He's a gay bear rapper. He's so cute. Uh, <laughs> songs are really fun. Uh, and then <laughs> That's got to be a really small part of the record store. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. I don't know. But I love him. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, I mostly, I honestly just listen a lot to, like, Top 40 stuff. That's kind of what, mm. or, like, playlists on Spotify. Like, the Spotify Guilty Pleasures playlist is, like, Savage Garden and other songs from the 90s. Oh, wow. I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, not, um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I sometimes occasionally discover stuff, but I'm mm. definitely not very knowledgeable about it. Well. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to talk about the 90s, you're in the right place because, uh, yeah. My first my first album I ever bought with my own money on tape um, was uh, New Kids on the Block. Uh, second album was Weezer, the blue album. Um, I think Stone Temple Pilots may have been thirst. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. There, there was a BMG music uh, scam that I would run where I would, where I would sign myself up for uh, multiple accounts. Maybe maybe I'll have to edit this part out. Yeah, maybe the statute of limitations is, is passed. I'm sure they were yeah. at this point. They're probably happy to get the record sales when they could, but um, yeah. <laughs> it was like ten ten songs for a penny. But um, yeah, I remember those like Columbia House. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I played I played that game for a long time. But um, <laughs> a lot of green or a lot of Green Day albums were purchased that way. Um, yeah, I went to the New Kids on the Black mm. like a couple years ago when they were. Was this the uh, slash uh, Backstreet Boys when they were? No, um, I wish. 
it was just regular new kids. All right, who was um, your favorite new kid, and who was your favorite uh, Backstreet Boy? Okay, so my favorite new kid was probably it was def- probably it was definitely Joey Joe Joe McIntyre. Okay. Um, and then my favorite Backstreet Boy, mm. I would have to say probably Nick Carter. Okay, well that's a very popular favorite. choice, sure. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> um, I was really young when new kids were first popular, so like Joey Joe was like twelve. Mm. I was. You didn't go for Donnie. No, did, did Donnie, I didn't go for Donnie. No? I think I like Joe and then um, maybe one of the Knight brothers. Mm. I can't. Because, like, probably Jonathan, the one who's gay now. Um, yeah, sure. Okay. And then Jordan. Like, yeah. Nobody liked Danny. I don't really know that anyone really liked Donnie. But maybe, like, older girls did. <laughs> Was he just, like, a scumbag or something? <laughs> Was he kind of like the guy in, in uh, was it InSync, that guy that with dreads? Who was the guy with the dreads? That was Chris Kirkpatrick. <laughs> so, like, you didn't even waste a breath. <laughs> no, I know. I didn't even think in concert, too. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, they, the new kids, because, like, I was, like, looking at, because uh, I saw, like, a picture of One Direction, and I was like, oh, they figured it out, like, because New Kids was, like, a boy band before they figured out, like, everyone in the boy band has to be cute. Like, not everyone was cute in New Kids, like, um, like, just regular-looking dudes in there who were not attractive, and, I mean, they, they're, you know, no offense, but, like, you know, now, like, you see One Direction, and you're like, oh, yeah, they're all cute, like, they figured that out. They're like, you can't just have two cute mm. ones. Because, like, like, back in the 90s, it was, like, I think where it was, like, there was, like, three cute ones and then one weird-looking guy and then Joey Fatone. <laughs> and then... <laughs> How did Joey yeah. Fatone make the, the callback <laughs> is my question. Joey Fatone has a beautiful voice, actually. Oh, well, that <laughs> was, was, you so know, for him. sure, okay, yeah, I understand. So, somebody in the group actually has to be able to sing, I guess. Yeah, he has, like, a beautiful singing voice. Uh, I mean, like, he was cute, but not in a boy band way, you know what I mean? Oh, like, he no. didn't really fit in with them. Yeah. And then back to your boys, it was, like, two of them, like, Nick Carter, and then, yeah, they had their weird-looking one, who was, like, Howie, I think. Howie and AJ kind of switched it up, being the weird-looking one. But, like, yeah, and then they figured out by the 2000s that they could just find five attractive dudes and put them all together. <laughs> it doesn't matter if they can sing or not. Well, oh, that's funny because my other roommate from college, Jonathan, teaches uh, English in South Korea, and uh, we've done a couple episodes, and he, he gives us an update on uh, K-pop. Um, oh, K-pop is so fascinating. It is, really. It really is. Um, it, the number of people that are in these groups uh, just it baffles the mind like he was telling me about a Japanese this is not K-pop but he was telling me about a Japanese uh, boy and girl Those band idols. Yeah, yeah, they have a thousand members or something. Forty-seven. It's like the polyphonic spree of of, yeah. of 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 boy and girl bands. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, they they basically engineer in, engineer these people in a laboratory, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. You know, but yeah, it's a fascinating uh, genre of music. So yeah, I was just reading an article about I think it was in Japan about one of those idols mm. getting like stabbed by someone because. <laughs> She refused a gift, like, 
when he brought her, she didn't know him, and you like, I don't even know. It sounded crazy, and then they were explaining, like, she's an idol in this one band where there's, like, probably the same one where there's, like, 50 people, mm-hmm. and, like, I was like, what is happening? Um, this is all crazy. Yeah. He was telling me one of the people in the Japanese uh, group uh, cheated on their boyfriend, so she, like, shaved her head in public uh, to show yeah, her son. I saw that, too. Okay, he was telling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to she like to shame herself. Yes. Like they're not supposed to exactly, or something. and that's how you yeah. show uh, penitence or whatever in that con- uh, that culture. So yeah, I guess. But I was like, why can't they have boyfriends? Because like I just I don't know. <laughs> I think it's like, the the thing I compared it to was in the 90s when the WB had those, like, morality clauses in their contracts where the actors that were on the WB programs couldn't show their navel in, like, a, you know, Teen Vogue or whatever. Um, Yeah. You know, and, like, Jennifer uh, Beals, who's married to Justin Justin Timberlake? Jessica Uh, Beals. Jessica Beals. Yeah, exactly. She uh, was on 7th Heaven, and then she couldn't be on 7th Heaven anymore because she was in a photo shoot for Maxim or something, um, because all the people that were playing teenagers on their shows were always like twenty nine or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't want, they don't want to you know deal with the child labor laws. So it's like, of course, you're going to get the like twenty five year old uh, to play yeah, the high school student. Like a young <laughs> but anyway, they like she had a a child on the show. Her character did, but they like phoned it in, and like uh, the dad that later turned out to be a child molester, of course. Uh, Right, Jessica yeah. Beale should stop the show forever for being in Maxim, but... Yeah, exactly. Pedophiles are totally cool. <laughs> yeah, how ironic that she was, like, kicked off, and now she's, like, married to Justin Timberlake, and that guy's, like... <laughs> yeah, been ostracized or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, in prison, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, oh, things are hard when you're to date. But... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, they're, um, what are they talking about? Oh, I mean, it kind of reminds me of Menudo. Oh, we were just talking about Menudo last episode, or two episodes ago, yeah. Um, when you got too old, you were just like out of Menudo. Well, as soon as you like shave was the thing. Yeah. As soon as you had stubble, you were out. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's where Ricky Martin started. Um, yeah, Ricky Martin was in the Menudo. I mean, yeah, it would be like just an ever, ever-changing cast of characters. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, well, but it, that's how you keep it relevant to the uh, current generations. Because I mean, you and I remember Backstreet Insync, but they got old, of course, as well. <laughs> oh yeah, they didn't feel like doing it anymore. Yeah, exactly. They never yeah, produced crazy. like a new Insync, but but you know, Menudo I think was around for like thirty years. You know, and there weren't weren't like fifty year olds in the band or whatever. So. <laughs> it's not like the OJs when the OJs go on tour. Yeah. It's not exactly the same. It's just still <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it is interesting that uh, uh, New Kids on the Block, um, you know, it, it, they, they, you know, they're going on tour and Backstreet's going on tour. Um, I think what would break the bank is if Destiny's Child went on tour. I think that Michelle and Kelly would agree with you. <laughs> Yeah, I, I notice you're not saying one particular name. Um, I, don't, I don't know if Beyonce would have <laughs> I think that... Um, She's got some Michelle lemonade to drink? Waiting for that call. Uh, to come in. I mean, I'm sure... Hey, Joey, Joey Fatone was waiting for that call to come to. Joey Fatone's not 
Broadway. What? Why do I know so much about Joey Vitone? Hold on, back up. You said Joey Vitone's on Broadway? I'm almost positive. I think he was definitely in at least one Broadway production. No, it was like something good. I don't know, I can't look it up right now. But I swear he was on Broadway, and then um, something else. Because he actually does have a really nice voice. Like, um... I don't know. <laughs> I'm sensing a certain defensiveness in your Joey Fatone. <laughs> Hang on, let me check. Hey, Joey, what that is going on? He's here. Um, <laughs> this whole podcast has just been getting the word out there that Joey Fatone is the most attractive member of his thing. Oh, my um, God. Wow. That was JC. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That would be funny, though. You look me up on Wikipedia, and it's like, married to Joey Patone. (laughs) (laughs) Biggie's married, all right. (laughs) Jokes and bits. (laughs) Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that I didn't get to? I I don't even know uh, where I wanted to go anymore. (laughs) We ended up talking about Joey Patone a lot more than I expected Yeah, well, that's how all the interviews go. Um, So, no, I don't think I really have anything. I mean, like, people want to find me. I have my website, um, com, and I need to update. Um, but I bought multiple spellings, so don't worry about how to spell it. Um, and then Twitter, I will be in Denver um, in August doing some shows. Otherwise, probably mostly in Chicago until I move to L.A. in October. Mm. Okay. Well, um, I'm really excited uh, to see that you're moving to L.A. That's exciting for you. I'm, I'm sure you'll do very well. Um, Thank you. I, 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 I don't have any reason to think that, you know, I think people that made it are no smarter than you and I. I don't think they're, they've got any more <laughs> skills than, than we have, right? <laughs> There's just skills and um, some luck. And, yeah, sure, and like, exactly. So... Well, cool. We'll see. <laughs> well, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, well, uh, I'll uh, I'll hopefully talk to you soon. Maybe uh, after you've become rich and famous in LA, uh, you can give yeah. us a call back. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be so rich, so famous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Sweet. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.